Well, we want to welcome you to the Reformed Informants. This is a podcast devoted to biblical exposition, systematic theology, and practical application for the good of the church. I'm Lance Burroughs, along with TJ Darty, and we are the Reformed Informants. What is going on in Kentucky? And just another another week, another week in the books here. Preaching every week, pastoring through a pandemic, you know, same old, same old. Man, so. today's April 13th, Monday, April 13th, so you preached your first Easter service yeah. yesterday, and tell me about yeah. that. I saw you were suited up on Facebook Live, so had to. Yeah, had I immediately to, approved. <laughs> it, it had to be done, uh, and unlike <laughs> some other pastors, I am going full, I am wearing pants, you know, you see the jokes around about pastors doing live stream, they don't need, they only wear but uh no got man, your basketball shorts on yeah right no it's uh it's been man it's been super fun getting to preach every week but especially on easter uh you know the resurrection getting to preach that uh that monumental doctrine and uh what that means man ah i'm getting amped up just thinking about it so i mean i haven't listened to it yet forgive me but i'm assuming oh that it's you, so good you, that oh, you preach the gospel <laughs> yeah that's uh yeah, you texted me yesterday and said, what'd you think? And I said, man, at the end of the day, the gospel was preached. And um, our understanding of the proclamation of the gospel lets me lay my head down uh, at night. You know, like, if, was it perfect? Absolutely not. Am, am I going to go back and listen to it uh, a year from now and think it was awful? Probably. Yeah. But, uh, but hey. Well, we want to be, you want to be better than you were a year ago. That's so. right. That's right. Um, yeah, we should probably go on the record and say if— you're a pastor and you didn't preach the gospel on Easter, you need to reconsider. <laughs> yeah. Well, the gospel should be preached each and every week. And and I'll be honest, man, like every time I um I get done with my manuscript, I don't know how it is for you whenever you preach and teach, but there are times whenever if I'm not careful, I can get into those weeds, you know, and just start thinking about, oh, all the stuff in this text, but forget to draw the connection to Christ. And so every time I got to go back and say, no, 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 the gospel needs to be inserted here. We need to draw this connection because uh, everything should be pointing to Christ and um, each and every week. That's really easy on Easter Sunday, right? Like that's, that's a, yeah. a layup. So, uh, so are yeah. you, let me ask you this before we get into the episode here. Um, are, are you of the thought that the pastor needs to give the gospel message at least one time when they're in preaching every, on, a, on, on a Sunday morning? Yeah, I would say, um, I don't think that that's necessarily a hard and fast, like, every, but, but, uh, if you stumble into my church on a, on any given Sunday morning, you're going to hear the gospel preached. Um, right. and, and ideally a good sermon will do it from the text. It won't be disconnected. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's not like, okay, well, I'm going to preach this text and then at the very end, okay, I'll, I'll, oh, by the way, here, right. I'll go ahead. No, no, no. Like the text itself, uh, should point to the gospel. There's always a connection to be made to the cross, uh, to the resurrection, uh, whatever that might be. And so there's there's organic ways to get to Christ. Um, and so that's my aim each and every time I preach. So yeah. 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 There's no uh there's no awkward transitioning from a text of scripture to well Jesus died and rose and right. yeah. now that I'm done talking about that, let me tell you this other thing. Um and they just happen to be under the same roof. Like, no, this is all it's all pointing to Christ. So um but, but yeah, man, it's each and every week just trying to work on that craft. Uh, as you know, the journey and the struggle that it is as a preacher, as a teacher, man, never happy, never content, um, always want to be better. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, man. So we are, uh, we're in season two, the Reformed Informants. We've got our first episode released for the season coming uh, April 14th. Uh, which is tomorrow night as of this recording. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that, that was, uh, that was episode 36 total. Uh, so the one we're about to record right now is episode 37. So we are moving along with our full length episodes. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't even count the informal informant episodes, right? Yeah. If you count those that you can find on YouTube, you can get these on iTunes as well. And we're up over, we're up over 50. In less than a year, because we didn't really begin recording until, um, or we started recording last May. Yeah, that's I think right. it was. So, yeah. man, humble beginnings last May, huh? Sit, stuck in stuck in a an extra bedroom, a spare bedroom at your house with a little table in between us, and now 
look at us. I know. A lot of blood, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Most of it. Okay, man. Yeah, most of it mine. (laughs) Okay, episode 37, biblically responding to COVID-19. Biblically responding to COVID-19. A biblical response. So uh, I think that where we're trying to go with this episode here on the Reformed Informants is helping us navigate through what we should not do as Christians during this time, and then talk about what we should do as Christians during this time. What do you got to add to that? Well, the only observation I would add, and I hope that that's exactly what we can do as we walk through this, but the only observation I would add is how incredible it is that we don't have to set the stage and explain what this is, right? Like every single person in the world who would be listening to this knows what COVID-19 is. Everyone knows what the coronavirus is because we're all impacted by it. Um, you know, like we did episodes, we've done episodes about uh, folks in in our society or things that have happened. We've kind of had to give a little backstory, right, to be able to explain why we're, we don't have to do that. Um, and so I'm just amazed as we enter into this conversation at the uh, general application that could be made for everyone. Um, so that's really what we're aiming to do. We're aiming to kind of go broad brushstrokes here. Um, everyone's context is a little different, but at the same time, all of us are walking through this and navigating through this together. And so, you know, a lot of people have asked me that about pastoring a church in the middle of a pandemic. And I'm like, look, we're all doing it. You know, like it doesn't, I don't feel sorry for myself. Uh, everybody's going through this. So I, I really think that there's some value in having this conversation um, even several weeks into the crisis as we are. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think initially on the episode guide here, we had planned on putting some statistics up. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of discussing those things. But as you just said, those are already out there. Yeah. And we need to get into the biblical content here. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think before we get into that, you know, we should mention um, that our, you know, prayers, thoughts go out to those who have been directly affected by it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there is some tendency on one end of the spectrum to kind of blow off. COVID-19 as if it isn't a big deal. And I think it's easy to say that if you or someone in your family or maybe, you know, one of your friends or someone that you know has not been affected by it. But if they have been affected by it, man, this is a super big deal. Yeah, that's that's such a good word. You've got you've got both ends of the uh, of the extreme here. And we're hoping to to address both of those concerns. And I think you hit it on the head with that first statement. Like there's a seriousness to this that we want to uh, take into consideration because um, many people have been impacted and many people will continue to be impacted for a long time because of it. And so um, thinking through these things is all the more important because of how serious it is. Um, so as we as we start to discuss this, <clears throat> I have a tendency when I think through these things to immediately want to go into what do I do? How do I think? What should I do? What, you know, all those types of things. But I, I love how we've kind of organized this thought here to say, what should we not do? Um, because I think there's a an impulse in us uh, because of sin and because of just a, a natural tendency to want to be in control. Um, there's a tendency in us to kind of go the wrong direction. And so I want us to, as you've outlined here for us, to talk about what we should not do. Um, and if you if you had to categorize that, where, where, where would be a good place for us to start as far as how to not respond to this? Yeah, well, let me let me explain where I got the what we should not do category. Okay, so um, this is not you don't get credit for this. This came from man, somebody else. I wish I could take credit, but there's a few guys out there that um, uh, I've got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, the first one would be the Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Oh, okay. Yeah. I quoted him in my sermon yesterday, by the way. So Did you really? I did. I ended my sermon with a lengthy Lloyd-Jones quote. You'll you'll love it if you get to if you get to hear it. Man, it's good. Wow. No wow. credit for me. That's all him. <laughs> yeah, he uh <clears throat> was a pastor at Westminster Chapel during World War II. And one of his um aspects of preaching that he used to draw out frequently was saying what the text did not mean. He, he would say what it did not mean first, and then he would go into what it actually mm-hmm. meant. Tom Pennington, Countryside Bible Church, does the same thing. So I borrowed from those guys. Okay. Well, so, I like it. Yeah. I'm almost on their level, but you okay, know. Okay. Yeah. 
One day um, they'll say they borrowed from you. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so how should Christians not react? Uh, the first thing that I came to my mind and that I put down here is that Christians should not panic, live in fear. We should not be anxious. We should not worry. Um, because I think that that's where most people probably go initially. Yeah. Um, worrying about maybe contracting COVID and they're anxious about that situation. And I would say even maybe those who have had health issues recently are even more concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, so could initially fall back on that emotion um, from the get go. Now I'm going to kick it over to you because you preached on this just a couple of weeks ago from Luke yeah. chapter 12. Yeah. We'll talk about more of Luke 12 later on, but at least in terms of what Jesus is outlining there at the very beginning of that passage. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you could talk on that here for a second. Yeah, well, <clears throat> this is kind of the opposite end of what we said earlier, right? Like some people are are prone to trivialize this. This is not a big deal. Uh, why are we reacting the way you do? There, there's folks on that extreme, but then there's folks on the other side who are just just overwhelmed with fear and panic. And, and I've seen that pastorally. In fact, my first week here, I think I mentioned this last week in our episode, but my first week here was the first week that this all went down and we had to shut down. So um, in, on Saturday, we made the call to close the door. So I preached the sermon that I had planned on preaching and then immediately called an audible for the next week to go to Luke 12 uh, to deal with this because I sensed kind of the panic. I sensed the, the, the anxiety. And, and I love this passage in Luke because... Uh, first of all, Jesus tells them, it, it comes in the context of, he has just told the parable of the rich fool. And the rich fool, right, has built up the barns. He's thinking, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna take control of everything. I'm going to have all these things. I'm going to tear down my barns and build larger ones. I'm going to eat, drink, be merry. And Jesus says, you fool, this night, your life will be required of you. And then on the heels of that, he tells this, this uh, he gives this teaching to not be anxious. And so he gives the disciples this command uh, in, in Luke chapter 12, verse 22, and this is an imperative. This is a command. He says, do not be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat, uh, your, your clothing, what you're going to put on. And, and the, the tendency, or he kind of anticipates a question, um, that the, that the disciples might ask and, and they might say, but how could I feed myself? You know, if you say, don't worry about these things, but I still have to eat. I still have to provide for my family. I still have to do these things. And Jesus, uh, speaks of the providence of God and, and the goodness of God to provide for the animals, for the birds of the air, who, to clothe the lilies of the field. And uh, what I was struck by in this passage is that when things are going good, right, like when life is normal for us, most of us walk through our little tiny version of the world and we don't pay a bit of attention to what God is doing to sustain his creation. Uh, God is constantly uh, providing for the animal kingdom. He's, he's, he's just good. He's good in, in keeping his creation intact and in order. And we miss it because we're so focused on ourselves. Uh, and Jesus says, don't worry about that. In fact, take your eyes off of yourself and look around at what God does. And uh, so I was just encouraged as I walked through that passage to see that God cares for his creation and he cares for the birds he cares for the flowers, but guess what? He cares for you a lot more. And so there's just this this feeling of once you get through all that and you realize, man, God is good. God cares. Um, God sustains. God provides. So the anxiety is kind of silly, um, but it's it's certainly antithetical to God's goodness. And so there's no reason to be worried. There's no, we- no reason to be anxious. Yeah. I mean, Jesus is... Um usage of things that everybody knows animals mm-hmm. flowers birds right he the most significant insignificant bird a raven right. or a sparrow that he mentions other times in the gospel god takes care of them mm-hmm. how much more will he take care of people that are made in his image mm-hmm. you know genesis 1 26 and 27 um, to echo what you mentioned at the beginning of discussing Luke 12, Jesus is saying, do not worry. And it's an imperative, right? Mm-hmm. In other words, it's a command. Right. So 
the idea that Jesus is presenting there is if you are worrying, well, what are you breaking? That's right. You know, you're breaking a command that he has given us, which I think sometimes we may not think about worrying or being anxious as, you know, breaking a command. Right. Well, well, on the, to, to piggyback off that, there's such a tendency in us, right, to, to, to be anxious, uh, whether it's about how am I going to pay the bills because I'm not working right now, or whether it's because uh, I'm concerned or I'm anxious or worried about somebody getting sick or somebody, whatever it might be, those are pressing issues of the day. So there's this tendency to want to be anxious. And so it's like, okay, well, I shouldn't be anxious. And so then you're like anxious about not being anxious, you know, but, <laughs> but I love what Jesus says. Jesus says at the end of this, he says, instead, seek his kingdom, seek his kingdom. So there's always a, when there's a negative command in yep. scripture, there's a positive to fill it, right? Like, like the best example I can think of off the top of my head, Ephesians five, do not be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the spirit. Like there's, it's not just don't do this. Christianity is not a bunch of rules that says, okay, you can't do these things. You can't be anxious. Jesus says, don't be anxious. It's, that's nonsense. Like, why would you be anxious? That's stupid. Instead, seek the kingdom. If you seek the kingdom, if you put your eyes off of you, you put your eyes on him, on the king, then anxiety, it just falls. It's just not there uh, because your your focus is elsewhere. And so, um, yeah, I think that's such, that's such a good balance to have. This is a command. Don't be anxious. But it's not just, hey, sit around and concentrate really hard. Don't be anxious, <laughs> right? Like, instead, pursue the kingdom. Do kingdom yeah. work. Do do those things which uh, which put your mind on other things instead. And when you do that, when you focus on God, you focus less on yourself. And yeah. when you're not focused on yourself, you're not going to be anxious. So yeah, I, li- I like what you said there about the you know the negative and then the positive. Right. You know, take off something and put on something. Take off the things of the flesh, put on the spirit or, or take exactly. this off and put on Christ. Uh, I think it says in, in, in the book of Romans. So like you said, it's not just this structured rule following, but there's uh, there's actually in the text a direction in which we should move opposite mm-hmm. of the direction in which we were going. And in, in many ways, it's exactly what we're trying to do in this this outline, right? Like these are the things you should not do. But towards the end, we're going to come back on the backside and say, instead, do these things. And, right. and there's biblical warrant for that for that outline um, that we talked about earlier, because that's exactly what Jesus does here. Don't be anxious. Yeah. Uh, seek the kingdom. So um, I, I yeah. just I just love that. Yeah, that and that really segues into First uh, John chapter two fifteen. Do not love the things of this world. Um, and the reason I put that down on the episode guide is because it made me think of the hope that Christians have and the comfort and peace that we have, that we follow a sovereign God. Right. In other words, every situation and circumstance that you and I are going through is under the umbrella of God's sovereign providence, his care, his right. watch. And in other words, he is allowing everything to happen and he's governing those things mm-hmm. with me and my good in view. Right. So I, I don't have to worry because it's been through the filter of God's, you know, perfections. Yeah, man. That's so, so good. Yeah. When, when I start acting like the world in terms of not having a hope and mm-hmm. being anxious, uh, again, I, I'm not living biblically minded. Yeah. And I need to be. And again, that's another imperative there. Do not love the world or the things of the world, right? We as Christians want to behave differently than the world so we can give the world answers to why we are acting like we are acting. And that would be the gospel. Man, I I love that you said that. And not to bring it back to Luke 12, but that's just fresh on my mind because I preached it recently. But but Jesus is teaching in the crowds. And when it gets to this section of do not be anxious, he turns only to his disciples. And so there's an, an intimacy that only the believer can understand this. Only This is not a teaching for the masses. This is a teaching for the people of God to understand God's sovereignty and his providence for his people. Now, of course, God provides for non-believers. His goodness extends mm. to all of creation. Uh, that's the whole point there. But that teaching holds, holds greater weight for the Christian because the believer 
understands and hopes and trusts in a way that the world doesn't. So, man, that's such a good word to to remind us of the distinction to be made. Um, and speaking of that, um, if you're okay, I want to transition to the next thing, yeah, yeah. Um, which I see this a lot, um, mainly on social media, but that there's a tendency, along with being anxious, to overreact or to consume uh, large amounts of the news, government, politics, right? Like I just, every day the governor speaks at this time, every day the president speaks at this time. These are the articles, these are the stories, these are the headlines, and just douse yourself in that negativity. And um, and that's not a good approach. <laughs> not a good approach. Yeah, yeah we, <clears throat> we, ha- we have to find a balance. Mm-hmm. We, we have to find a balance with news, government, media, social media, politics in relation to COVID. And of course, you know, that could branch out to other mm-hmm. topics, themes, components, whatever. But we have to find a balance. Um, as you were saying, we can't be so immersed in that sphere, in that arena where our thinking is consistently bound yeah. to what the world is saying. Now, yeah. of course, I'm not against being informed in the know on issues, but if those things are dominating my mind, then I can't jump back to point number one where I'm not supposed to worry because I'm going to be worried nonstop because I'm thinking yes. all yep. about political things and news and whatnot. You know, there has to, there has to be a balance. That's exactly right, man. Like stay informed. Same thing, with, same thing back to the first part. Don't be anxious. Well, that doesn't mean you just sit there and, you know, don't do anything. Like you, you still got to provide for your family. You need to go shopping and get some food. You need, you know, you need to take precautions. You don't need to just be haphazard and reckless. Same thing here. Stay balanced, understand and be informed about things, but don't let it dominate. I love that word. Don't let it dominate your mind and your thinking. Um, in fact, in, in, for my church that I'm leading here, one of the things that I felt convicted about was not to preach sermons every week related to how to respond to this. I did it for a couple of weeks, uh, but it's time. Which to was back. necessary. It was necessary. I think there's that balance, right? I'm not ignoring it, but I don't want every single week to be like, we're going to talk about several th- issues and topics related to this, but then we're going to move on to discuss other theology things. We're going to discuss other top, like this cannot be the only thing we talk about. Um, so you want to have that balance. Let's deal with it. Let's talk about it, but let's not let it consume um, our mind. And I think that that's really important. Um, and a tendency that I see a lot of folks having is just to want to run to that um, instead of, you know, kind of filtering through some of those things. Right. You know, we can think of the Apostle Paul. Acts 28 tells us that he is in Roman imprisonment. And instead of getting caught up in the political situation at that time, we've got the prison epistles. You know, Mm -hmm. we've got Mm -hmm. him sharing the gospel with centurions and guards and soldiers. You know, so he, he is somewhat in the middle of this political climate. And he probably addressed issues with that sure um and we we see that even in romans 13 where he talks about government Mm -hmm. um but he is so gospel centered and so gospel focused that he is reaching out to churches he's reaching out to his people he's concerned about the brethren Mm -hmm. he's not consumed with the current situation yeah no that's good um related to that let me let me ask you about this so Some folks have a tendency to turn on the news, turn on the political commentators, right? Like, I just want to hear from the the governing authorities. I want to hear what they're saying. I'm reading all the New York Times. I'm reading all the the major media outlets. Okay, there's that person. But then there's the other person who just, like, is consumed with social media stuff, right? Like, things that are popping up on social media. What have you seen, maybe, that has happened on social media that maybe... Maybe we should pump the brakes on. Like, what do you know? What do you see there? Well, I've received a few text messages and uh, messages on socials from uh, students that I taught in the past that have seen posts that try and argue and demonstrate that COVID nineteen and the Book of Revelation are uniting mm-hmm. to form the return of Christ. Right. There's a there's a 
there's a consummation brewing. Okay, so w- without spoiling, because we're, we're going to do a full separate episode um, on this, but without spoiling that whole thing so that our, our listeners are still enticed to listen to that episode, how would you respond to that? Just in, yeah. just in general. Well, yeah, one of the one of the texts that's been coming through social media, Second Chronicles seven verses twelve through fourteen. We're, we don't we don't have time in this episode to to run through that, mm-hmm. but um, basically, it's kind of picking and choosing and grabbing random Old Testament texts that were, you know, specifically mentioned for the nation of Israel, and somehow applying uh, applying that to two thousand and twenty, and saying, well, here we are. This is the end. You know, mm-hmm. um, and basically, if we will just turn our face back to God, you know, He will rid the entire world of COVID nineteen um, because COVID is strictly judgment on the entire world. Right. Yeah, that's. Well, I would probably disagree with that. I'm going to say this is not a phenomenon that has not occurred before, right? Like this is. I'm not discounting. I'm not dismissing it. Um, the, the difference is the world and the structures of society are now changed. Our understanding of medicine has changed. Our understanding of viruses has changed. Hand washing, all those kinds of things. Uh, social media. But the act itself, this is not, this is not unprecedented in that sense. So um, there, we have to be careful. You use that word balance, but we have to be careful not to go into panic mode. And most likely... If your source is a meme from Facebook, um, probably <laughs> not authoritative. So, um, in other words, I think just like this tendency to, you know, I also see a lot of numerology, right? Like 2020, add 20s together, you get 40, 40 days in the wilderness of testing. And like, okay, well, that's Wait, not. that's not. Bi- that's not no, biblical. That's not how <laughs> work. And uh, we got to be careful with that. Like, like some well-meaning some not well-meaning, but some well-meaning, but very ill-informed folks um, trying to, to give an answer to this, post something on social media, and then folks are sharing it. It's blowing up, and and now suddenly we're wrapped up in the middle of this thinking, wait, is there really some truth to that? Like stick to the text of Scripture, but interpreting using proper hermeneutics, contextualization, all that kind of stuff, you know, so not allowing the thoughts of the day to impact impact and influence how we understand God's word. And of course, always filtering that through uh, the word of God, but certainly a a system that we've established, right? Where God is good, God is sovereign, uh, the word is true, um, all those types of things. So you have to have that balance and not be running to whatever social media impulse might be sending you to. So Yeah. Um, I don't think on the reformed informants, I don't think we've done an episode on the end times or revelation or the second coming of Christ. Uh, like you said, we've got one of those in the works here, uh, in the, in the next couple weeks, but I, I would submit that everyone will know when the book of revelation is taking place. Mm-hmm. Everyone will know when we're in the midst of that book, because it will be on such a broader, wider, grander scale than anything that, yeah. that, that we're seeing now. Yeah. La- last comment I want to make, and then we need to, we need to shift gears on this, but there's such an Americanized view of all this stuff, right? Like so many folks are just, we Americanize Israel. We put ourselves in Israel. Like the Bible doesn't speak about America. Um, I think God has been good to us as a nation um, in so many ways, but we do not have any kind of special favor. We do not have any kind of future eschatological significance. Like we are, just another another blip on the radar of, of nations in the history of the world, um, no, nothing more. So there's just a tendency to read ourselves into the text, to read prominence into our own situation, when the reality is, man, like, that's, this is, like you said, the broad scope, like, it's way bigger than us. Um, we need to know that. So no, that, That's um, good, man. That's a good... A final word on that, because Daniel in Revelation does not mention yeah. America. <laughs> There's no stars or stripes, you know, we're, we're not there. Okay, um, so we've got many, many, many different churches handling the situation differently. Um, we've got churches that are just full online streaming um, with limited number of people on campus. Um, we've got churches that are 
maybe recording the service on a Thursday night and airing the service, I guess you could say, on Sunday morning. Uh, I know a few churches that did that for Easter, just in case something was to have happened with the live stream. You know, they didn't want Easter uh, to not be streamed. Um, we've got people that have just flat out canceled meeting as a church mm-hmm. on Sunday mornings. Now uh, we've got churches that are holding drive-in services, mm-hmm. um, where you're basically driving into the church parking lot. You're staying a certain distance away. And my understanding is, is that, you know, there would be music and then a sermon. Um, mm-hmm. I think some may have been projecting that through car stereos and radio stations. Uh, others maybe just setting up speakers outside. Mm-hmm. So we've got a lot of that going on. A lot of different people, uh, conscience-wise, are considering different avenues for church. Yeah. Um, so you speak on what you guys have heard over in Kentucky. Um, give me your thoughts on. Uh, give me your thoughts on that. Well, by the before I do that, what do what do you guys do in a countryside? Are you guys streaming each and every Sunday morning? Yeah, we are streaming services on. I say services service yeah. one service okay. um, at ten ten thirty Central Time, and we've got um, a few musicians. We've got uh, Seth Bigelow who's leading worship. And then Tom, who's preaching from the pulpit, all of that is set up in the main worship center. Um, we have a few AV guys that are across the worship center um, in a completely separate room doing all of uh, the tech work. Um, they're coming on to campus from different sides of campus. I mean, the church is really trying to abide and follow mm-hmm. you know, everything that's um, been asked of us and just trying to take precautions to not get each other sick. Right. Right. Yeah. And then no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Then, then, uh, Sunday evenings, Tom's doing an informal Bible study from his home. So, um, we're going to keep that up. Yeah. Those are live. Uh, those have been actually on Facebook. Um, Mm -hmm. and those are just an informal 25, 30, 35 minute uh, message Mm -hmm. um, from Tom. Um, which has actually been pretty refreshing just to get more of a casual laid back, um, informal Bible study as opposed to, you know, his pulpit ministry that we're most familiar with. Right. Yeah. I've, I've actually listened to some of his teaching during this season because I admire him so much as a pastor and sat under his preaching for a couple of years when you and I met. And so I've watched a couple of his Bible studies and uh, those informal things. I've also uh, listened to a sermon. Um, so I, I, I find myself in a very similar situation here. Uh, when I showed up, we had never done, uh, we didn't have the audio visual uh, tech team. We're, we're volunteer led in that world. And so um, we had never done a live stream service here at Central Baptist Church in Paris. And so uh, that was a new endeavor for us. And we've been working on that each and every week, but we live stream our services uh, or service uh, again one service and it's the same thing. We've got a couple of musicians there. Uh, we, we sing a couple of songs and I preach a, preach a sermon into a, a camera. The, the folks, the few volunteers are spread out in the balcony and downstairs. I mean, just very thinly spread. Uh, but I can say the church next door, um, right next door to us, their pastor, I've, ta- I've chatted with him. They have canceled uh, their services and all those things, but he records a message on Friday or Saturday they posted on their website on Sunday. Uh, there's a church right next to my house here in Paris that has shut down completely. Uh, just not meeting, not doing anything online, um, just waiting until this all ends. Uh, and then there are others in my community who are doing the drive-in option. In fact, the other there's another Baptist church in our town. So we've we've got the whole gamut right here okay. in, a, in a mile's radius. Um, and I think the point of bringing this up is to make a comment that as far as how to not react, um, there's a tendency in all of us to want to think that our way is probably the best way. Like we've chosen our method as a church for a reason. And so there's a tendency to look at the church next door or the church across the street or the church on the other side of the town and say, man, they're doing it wrong. They're, they're not thinking through this right. Um, and I think that that's just not the right approach to take, to, to, to build up this judgmental um 
And, and why is that, Lance? Like, why would you say that that's so dangerous? And why is it so important for us to not do that, to not look at churches doing things differently and think, hey, they're off course here? Why right. is it so bad? Well, I mean, we can just take our situation, for example. You know, I'm pastoral intern at Countryside. Well, let's just say that you guys uh, at Paris are doing things differently than us. Now, I don't think you are. You're basically doing the same thing of us. But if if you were doing something different and I'm frowning upon that, I'm looking down upon that, I'm being super judgmental about that situation, I'm doing that towards a brother in Christ. I'm doing that towards um, a pastor that is shepherding his people that's ultimately tried to make the best decision that would be honoring to God primarily, but then also to care and oversee uh, his his flock you know my only concern and i think the the judgment that i would have uh regarding a church is if they didn't take it serious and they didn't try and plan and they didn't try and uh seek out counsel and they didn't you know talk with the leadership in the church the elders deacons however that may look depending on your church that that would be where i would really have an issue. If it was just flippant, Hey, we're just going to do whatever and not really care about the congregation or what, you know? No, that's so, yeah. I mean, and we're going to do a a full separate episode on government and how we respond to that. If there's a church that was just completely blatantly um, just rejecting the government's input just because, Hey, we're a church and we're like, I would have a problem with that because of what we're going to talk about in Romans 13. Um, also what Peter, what first Peter has to say, um, we'll, we'll deal with some of that later. But I think that's a, that's so important for us to to think through because the church across the street, that's doing whatever ministry differently. If the gospel is being proclaimed, if, um, and, and even then, like what about the church's canceling services? Well, they have chosen to do that if they've done it for, reasons that are either biblically founded or are uh, outside their control. Like perhaps they don't have the means or the ability or the volunteer force, or, or maybe they're extremely high risk and they just don't think, Hey, we, we just shouldn't be doing anything. That's fine. Uh, right. Others, you know, we, we've talked before you and I have about uh, Mark Dever's church. Like Mark Dever has said, Hey, we're not going to meet. And it's not because they don't have the means. It's not because he doesn't want to preach, but he believes that, if this thing lasts 10, 12, 15 weeks, hey, God is doing a work to prepare their hearts for when they do gather back together, and he's going to trust God's providence in that. Now, I'm not doing that, but I can still respect him, and I don't want to bind someone's conscience because there's no biblical directive for how to function during a worldwide pandemic. You know, like right. that's just, there's not a, a precedent here from Scripture that can, there's no explicit text that should dictate exactly how we're to, to deal with this. Yeah, that's good. And I think Dever has showed through the decades that he is all about right. the church, a right. biblical church, clearly, <laughs> right. uh, with what he's done Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And you, you would know more about his ministry than I would, but even the material that he has in print and his willingness to uh, promote a healthy church. <laughs> and I think nine marks, <laughs> right? Nine marks. Great resource, by the way, uh, nine marks.org. Uh, but I do think that if Mark Dever were involved in this podcast and he was, he had a separate screen and separate mic and a separate room and who we were all chatting about this, I think he would say, brothers, I respectfully disagree with the routes your churches have taken for these reasons, but I don't think you're in sin. We love each other. One of the, you know, we love one another all the same. Uh, all for the glory of God, and we move forward with that. And I don't think that there would be um, the slightest hint of judgment or of condemnation towards one another. And so, uh, there, I think that that's just pride. It's it may be insecurity that comes up, but uh, I think that was a good a good move on your part to put this in our our guide because many of us are involved in totally different situations and seeing how churches are respond. Like I, I'm personally. 
it, it's going to take a lot to get me to do a drive-in service. That right. will not be that will not be my inclination. Uh, Fog machines need, and right, yeah, that's just, not, that's just not me, man. Like I just I just want to stand behind a pulpit and preach the word. Like that, I just don't care about anything else. But right. there are churches that are doing those things and doing them with the greatest of intentions and and have reasons for it, and that's okay. Um, yeah, we can agree on that. Look, if Mark Dever comes on to the podcast and he disagrees with what you're doing, I'm not asking him back on the podcast. <laughs> that Mark Dever? Think twice. Uh, you did one of us. Yeah, you've you've been warned. <laughs> okay. Anyways, good time to segue here. Um, so we've discussed right, like the the ways that we should not respond um both like on a personal level from a church standpoint um for those of us involved in different aspects of ministry um or just church members um but on the flip side as we said we would do kind of the not just let's not do these things but what should we do instead um so where would you take us first as we think about how should i positively respond here in the the next uh, few moments of this podcast yeah, we need to trust God and take him at his word. We need to trust God and take him at his word. We talked about that earlier. We have to think biblically about the situation. And if we as Christians do not think biblically, we are in the wrong. Instead, if we do think biblically, if we do think biblically, then we're led to only trusting God during this time. Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And it doesn't get any more clear than that. The psalmist is saying that there is refuge in God. He is my fortress. I will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I mean, those words there should bring comfort to the heart of every single Christian. Psalm 91 needs to be rehearsed over and over and over during this time. And I mean, there's really not a whole lot I, I would even want to add to that, man. Trust God. Um, God in his goodness, it's it's what Jesus makes in his argument in, in Matthew 6 and the parallel passage that I, I preach and we talked about in Luke 12, right? Like God is good. And, and that's kind of the argument that Jesus gives. He gives his rationale that God is good. He's so good that he cares for and provides for uh, the animals, the birds of the air, he provides for the flowers, man. Like he makes the flowers grow and he makes them beautiful and ornate. Like you think he doesn't care for you? Trust him. Like he's good. And uh, now listen, the reality is, is that some people are going to get sick from this disease and many people have already died, right? Like, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't care. It doesn't mean that, oh, he only cares about these people and doesn't care about these people. No, like this is God's goodness in his providence and his sovereignty. And we just need to trust him. Um, it, it, it was God's will and desire for this to come about the way that it has. And uh, he has allowed this thing um, to to permeate the world in so many ways and, and stop us on our tracks. I don't know what he's up to with it, uh, but I trust him. And, um, and I'm not, I'm not over here panicking, uh, because I'm just looking at the faithfulness of God. His track record speaks for itself. I don't don't need any other justification. God's good. Trust him, his word. He's been faithful to his word time and time again. Um, and in his goodness, I know that he will continue to remain faithful, um, to the end. So trust him like that's, that's need to do. Yeah, and to balance off of that, um, Psalm 91, verse 14 says, and this is God speaking in the psalm now, because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. Uh, It's talking about God as deliverer. Now, that could be uh, temporal, right? You may have or get COVID-19, and God could deliver you from that. But even if he doesn't deliver you in this lifetime, you are still ushered into his presence if you are his upon your right. death. So, and one, well, I guess it's a twofold deliverance there. It could be here on this earth, but if not here, if not now, there's a future time where you will be delivered for all of eternity. Man, and that's that's the goodness of God, and that's the perspective that we need to have in the midst of this to not be consumed and concerned with the now, but to seek the kingdom. And when we seek the kingdom, 
um, those other things, man, they, they, they take care of themselves. They fall into place. And we just, now it's easy to say, like, I get it, man. Like it's easy for me to say, yeah, trust God, trust God, trust God. But really, um, and I talked about this last episode, the season of life that I just walked through. I'm like, look, when I, when I find myself not trusting, when I find myself wrapping myself in my own worries and concerns and those things, man, it's just so bad for me. And, uh, and God's faithfulness has proved itself. Even when I don't think it does, he's still proving himself faithful. So, um, and there's, there's just nothing else to, to do other than to trust God. Yep. Uh, but I guess there are other things that can be done as well related to that. Um, and I would say that there needs to be a spirit of prayer that, that would happen during this season. Um, and, and prayer, how, how would you, how would you kind of develop that? When I say prayer, what all ways and things do we need to be praying for? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many, I mean, our prayer requests and prayer list is really never ending in one sense, right? Mm-hmm. We all need to be praying and we all need to be praying more than we do. Um, uh, but, but just immediately we can be praying for our family, our friends, our loved ones. Um, we definitely need to be praying about our local church. I mean, whatever church that we go to and attend, you know, we need to be lifting up the pastors, the elders, the deacons, the others in the congregation. Um, yeah, definitely the interns. (laughs) No, what else? Who else will we add to that list? Um, you know, Paul tells, uh, Timothy, First Timothy uh, chapter two, right to pray for kings, pray for our leaders, our governing authorities, and so uh, whether that's your uh, your your county clerk or your uh, the president of the United States or you know whoever that might be in between, like we need to pray for those who are making because they're making difficult decisions, they're making decisions that affect everyone, and um, uh, it, it it there's no qualification there that says you know pray for the leader of your political party or the guy that you voted for, the gal that you like the most, like, man, like we need to pray for him. Um, and, you know, of course, pray for, pray for their decision-making, but pray just that God would lead them and they, they would be subject to God's leading um, to make decisions that would best glorify him. Um, not necessarily be the things that are best for our nation or best for us individually. Um, you know, and so, and uh, ultimately, as we know, man, every time we pray, um, in many ways, kind of the summary of the purpose of, of prayer is to focus our hearts on God's will. Um, it's not really about, hey, God, I want you to heal this person over here that I I like and I want to be around more. So do that for me. Like the purpose of prayer is to align ourselves with God's will and to say, whatever you might desire, God, bring it to pass. Um, that's why I love the the prayer uh, and the confidence of of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, in uh, Daniel chapter 3, right? We know that God will deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we still know that we're going to worship him. And it's like, there's this duality of like, I trust God that he's going to He's gonna move in this way, but, but even if he doesn't, like, I'm focused on his goodness. And so that's what prayer does. It aligns us, aligns our hearts and desires with God's. And, um, and that's what when I say we need to pray, what I'm really saying is we need to be focused on finding out and desiring God's desires. Um, and I think that that happens in all of those areas that you mentioned. Yeah, well, again, to echo off, off of you there, because God's glory is supreme, God's glory is priority, um, God's glory is you know what we long to see put on display. Amen in our lives, not in disasters and these types of circumstances, but even now in these circumstances during this time that we want God's glory to be seen above all else. And that needs to be primary when praying. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, okay. So we've talked about um, we talked about prayer, and then prior to that, we talked about trusting God, taking Him at His word. Uh, this is probably this next one. Uh, we got a couple of more here before we wrap up, but this next one is maybe the one that I am um, that I get frustrated the most about when I see other people during this time, because this season of life for me has been the most chaotic, the busiest. <laughs> 
most stressful. Like this time right now, the last two months especially, has just been insane. Um, and I see a lot of people who are stuck at home, um, working from home, or uh, maybe their jobs are, are, you know, like on hold in the short term um, or whatever that might be. And I see a lot of people who are just like totally bored and like, <laughs> don't know what to do themselves. so I get really frustrated with that. So how, like, how would you respond to this thinking through how, how we should deal with COVID-19 and the implications as far as the use of our time? Yeah. Ephesians chapter five verses 15 and 16 tell us clearly to redeem the time, redeem the time. COVID-19 is not giving us the free license to crank up our Netflix watching and to get on the old YouTube and just sift through videos hours upon hours upon hours. Um, yeah, Ephesians, Ephesians 5 says, look carefully then how you walk, not as wise, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now that has broad implications every single day, right? Like we should constantly take care of our time. We should constantly monitor that. It's the, it's the most valuable asset that we have. Um, but especially right now, like this, it's just heightened awareness right now, right? Like we, we have so much more time and we're learning what's essential and what's not essential. Um, I can't wait. You're, you're going to lead us through an episode. Give, give me a tease for this upcoming episode. Yeah, we're going to take yeah, we're going to take one out of Jonathan Edwards playbook resolution number 5, uh redeeming the time, making use of your time. Um because he was uh man, he he was a giant in this area. Um definitely one to um keep in your spiritual biblical playbook in terms of designating time towards God. He would spend upwards of 13 hours a day. Now, I'm not advocating for that. <laughs> right. We're not but, all Jonathan. Right. Absolutely. Um, but I am advocating for using time wisely. Using time wisely. Are we going to use it worldly or are we going to use it biblically? Um, pra- practically speaking, 30 seconds or less. What are you, not Netflix cranked up, not YouTube all the time, not not napping six hours a day and whatever. Practically speaking, hit me. What what can I do? I, I want to redeem my time. Yeah, of course you can spend more time in Scripture. I think that's probably the easiest one to go to. You could spend more time in prayer. We could all do that. Um, but I think one that I've really tried to implement would be meditation. You know, I'm not sitting in my closet, legs crossed, arms up in the air, but I am just thinking about uh, eternal things, thinking about biblical things, thinking about theology, thinking about doctrine, letting those things resonate in my mind and heart. Because I do have downtime. It's a perfect time to think upon Scripture. Yeah, man, that's good. Yeah, to, today for today for me practically was like a Bible reading day. Um, and I needed that for my soul. Like I read in the past two days, I have read about 70 chapters of the old Testament, uh, just working through, um, big chunks of scripture at a time. And it's just, I just needed that, um, to slow myself down because I'm doing too many things. I'm juggling too much. Um, and I just needed to, to, to catch up. And, um, the same thing too, I would say like, yeah, read scripture, but then now's a great time to crack open the book that you haven't gotten to read yet and work through, whether it's a, a, a dense or, or long or theological book, or maybe it's just something to kind of get you back into the, get the gear swinging a little bit, but thinking about something practical um, and helpful and biblical, but also like, you know, things like this, like a podcast, like listen to podcasts or sermons. Um, I get it. It, it. Putting your head in a book for, for four or five hours at a time is, is exhausting. It's <laughs> yeah. hard, man. Like, like there's a reason why not many people do it. Um, maybe, maybe instead of doing that, but instead of like turning on your favorite movie, maybe you pull up a, a sermon or two, or maybe you pull up a podcast and just kind of keep yourself thinking um, and, and working through some things. So uh, man, just using our time wisely, that's a great uh, segue. And in the middle of doing that, um, I think what happens is, and I've seen this a lot already in this season, in this time, is that people are asking questions. Um, people that I never expected to hear from are 
reaching out like, man, how do I think through this? And that's what people, that's what non-believers do. They, they, they look for somebody that has stability. And so use this time to prepare, uh, because the questions are coming. So I think this is just, it's just all the more important to be ready to answer those questions from folks. Um, because they have them for sure. Yeah. Well, first Peter chapter three says to be ready to give a defense for why and what you believe. Um, and, and now, as you just said, is the perfect opportunity to equip yourself to be able to talk to people uh, that may not know Christ um, about the gospel and the hope that you have. Why, why aren't you worrying? Why aren't you anxious? You know, the, those things that we've already mentioned. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I would add to that, and we're running out of time here, but I would add to that, find ways to fellowship with people um, whether it's family, friends, but, uh, even people within your church talking yeah. FaceTime, Zoom. I know a lot of you guys are on Zoom out there. I feel like I'm on Zoom constantly for church and seminary right now. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good word. We, uh, Chloe and I did a Zoom call with the family last night for Easter and talking to her siblings and her parents and her grandparents and the extended family. We did a couple of different meetings yesterday uh, because we couldn't get together. And when we got done, like, I'll be honest, I, I had a lot of stuff going on as always. But when we got done, I told Chloe, I was like, man, I needed that. Like, that was just, it was so fun to just talk to people that I love and care about. And uh, we're, we're going to be doing, uh, by the time this episode airs, we're have have done a Zoom prayer meeting uh, for folks in our church. That's happening this upcoming Wednesday um, from the time of this recording. And I'm excited to to see people that I fellowship with um, or want to fellowship with, haven't gotten to yet, but want to on a regular basis. And that's what um, I think that's what you're advocating for is just finding folks and staying connected the best you can, right? Like technology, no substitute. We know that. But in the short term, um, I think just staying connected to the to the people of God and the people that you love um, is so vital and so important right. for it. So, yep. Now that's um, good. Well, if you've been uh, with the Reformed Informants long, you know we conclude episodes with the Informants Initiative. But just like just like our takeaway, like if you could kind of summarize the whole episode into one like practical takeaway point, um, right? Like that's kind of the idea behind it. Is just sum this thing up. Give me something to take home and chew on. So, yeah, I would say you just need to stay the course, stay balanced. Don't rock the boat. Keep dealing with your own personal sin. Keep putting off the world and keep putting on Christ. Um, sanctification hasn't changed because we're on lockdown, right? We still have individual um, goals in terms of becoming more like Christ. Um, so individually, uh, I think that we need to do that. Um, and I think that that, again, that, uh, sets an example, um, for those that do not have a hope and that do not have answers and are just kind of lurking around the ether right now, wondering what's going to happen next when we know exactly what's going to happen next. Um, and because of the gospel, man, there's, I mean, the gospel is just so rich. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say just in my own life right now, I'm living in this life, this, this feeling of tension. Uh, and I think that I, I, I think it's a good thing. I think it's good that it's not ideal. I think it's good that I'm frustrated. You know, like I, I, I think that there should be a feeling, right? Like this is not, right. I want to be gathering with the people of God. I, I, I don't like that people are being infected by this and people are losing their lives. And there's a negative aspect of this, but I also think there's a lot of pruning going on, that God is working in a, in a mighty way and that we're going to see the benefits of that long term. Now we're going to reap the, reap, you know, there's going to be repercussions of everything that's happened negatively. You know, the economy, the the um, the, the folks who have gotten sick and those kinds of things. I understand that, but there's a positive side to this too. And so I think just having used that word balance, that's what I would say too. Just have that balance to trust God um, and trust the goodness of what he's doing um, while at the same time doing your part to, to pursue sanctification, put on Christ, um, all of those things. So um, yeah, what closing thoughts, anything else that we, that we missed? No, just keep holding it down there in Kentucky, man. Well, 
we're, we're doing it one day at a time here. So, man, gosh, this is so good. So, so refreshing for my soul. I'm so excited to be back. Those of you who are listening, we're so glad that you are tuned back in. Season two of the Reformed Informants. And make sure, listen, if you're not doing so, maybe you haven't tuned into us before, but you can subscribe to us um, on our podcast on iTunes. You can subscribe. We have a YouTube channel. Like us on social media. We're on Facebook at Reformed Informants. We're on Instagram and Twitter at R underscore Informants. And then everything that you that I just said, you can find everything at one central location. That's our website at www.themajestiesmen.com slash Reformed Informants. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics of discussion, feel free to email us at reformedinformants at gmail.com. Thank you.